0: How are you doing? Listen, here's the thing. I don't know how far you've traveled, but this is it. You're here now, and uh, we're going to have an amazing time, right? Let's, um, we weren't going to do this. I I want a drummer on stage. Let's all stand up. If you're able to, let's stand up. Can we get a drummer on stage? (laughs) They're all looking at me like this isn't the drum bit. I'm just. I'm just done with playing games and messing around. This is the moment of our lives. We never get to live this one again. Let's just suck everything out of it. Yes? Like it, you may be here as someone who's a follower of Jesus. You've been around the block a few times. Listen, you ain't seen nothing yet. If you think that what you currently know about God is all there is to know, you're in deep trouble. If you think that you are the ultimate example <laughs> of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, you're in deep trouble. He's got more for you, yes. And and if you're here thinking, what the hell is this? Like, what am I at? <laughs> you got dragged along by some super Christian friend, or <laughs> you saw the posters. You're especially welcome. And here's the thing: this could be weirdly, the most important thing you ever did with your life, okay? So have we got a drummer yet? Nice. So what I want us to do is, some of you will have done this with me before, I basically go around the world telling people to yell, come on, uh, and, and we do it upwards to God. If you believe in God, this is a pretty powerful thing to do. Come on, let your kingdom come, let your will be done. Let Creation Fest be a time where what is going on in the head and the heart of God explodes on planet Earth. Amen? And then, and then we say, come on to ourselves. 3,000 years ago, King David says, Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and let everything that is within me praise his holy name. Why? Because he knew he could be an idiot. He knew that he could be really passive. And there's something within us, you know, we're mammals. It gets hot. We kind of just want to turn into a lizard and lie on a rock, you know. There's something within us that, if we're not careful, misses the moment. So we say it to ourselves. And then we say, come on to the people around us. The scriptures say, stir one another up towards love and good deeds. You cannot do this thing on your own. And so we're going to say, come on, let, let's, let's, let's really go for this. So I don't really care how you do it. The only rules are you've got to go a little bit mental. Is that okay? Is that all right? And, uh, and so we need to just scream and, 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 and jump around and whatever. And Mr. Drummerman, you've got to go completely mental. You know that way at church things, they always tell you to like do kind of jazz, like quiet stuff. We want you to go absolutely insane. Is that okay? Great. So this is how we're going to begin Creation Fest this year, by crying out, come on to God. Come on to ourselves, come on to one another. Is that all right? Are you up for this? (laughs) Some of you are like, we don't do this in the Baptist church. (laughs) Not yet. (laughs) Okay, ready? Ready? One, two, three, let's go. That's praying. Please be seated. So, (laughs) right. So, uh, this festival is called Beautiful Wilds. Beautiful Wilds. And uh, this is going to be the most extraordinary time together all you have to do is keep saying yes to the best possibility of every moment and you're going to have a time that is both beautiful and wild this could be a life-defining moment for many of us here and uh, listen I've just I've just lost a little bit of my talk notes so just talk amongst yourselves I'm just going to go and find my talk notes just because otherwise it could be complete heresy Uh, give me 30 seconds Oh, it blew off the thing. That's what's going on. Nice. Thank you very much. (laughs) Great. Round of applause for that man there. So, John 10, verse 27. These are the words of Jesus. I don't know if you ever feel like Christianity gets really complicated And the thing about Jesus is he always makes it simple and he always makes it relational. And so John 10, verse 27, he says this, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. So this is simple, it's relational, and it's really good news because Jesus is saying you can be stupid as a sheep and do this thing. Okay, my sheep listen to my voice. The primary mark of being a Christian. You may have been told over the years it's about 101 different things. I want to tell you it's about this. You listen to Jesus and you do what he says. The heart posture of a follower of Jesus is this. The answer is yes. Now what's the question? My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. And, and the, the, the original Greek word there for listen is "akuo," from which we get the word acoustics. So to be a follower of Jesus is to get used to the acoustics, that the personal nuance, the tone of his voice. When Sammy, my wife Sammy, is sitting just over there with Sarah Yardley, let's just have a round of applause for Sarah and Sammy. So Beautiful. Uh, When Sam and I first got married, we uh, got to know a guy who's one of the local drug dealers, and he had an encounter with Jesus, became a follower of Jesus, and then he had the long journey of trying to break free of addiction. Some of you know that that's a long road, and he moved in with us uh, to 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 just try and get his head and his life back together again. And then it was a few months into that the news came through that his father, his dad, had died. Up in Birmingham, and uh, so Paul went up to see his his uh, stepmother, and she said to him, "Hey, Paul, would you like something to remember your father by?" And of course, he said, "Yeah." And so she said, "Why don't you just go up to our bedroom, and you can just choose anything you want to remember your dad by?" So he went up, and he went to the wardrobe, and. Uh, he decided what he wanted was one of his dad's sweaters. So he, he came down with this sweater. And, and he came back, obviously, to our house where he's living. And, and I knew whenever Paul wore this sweater, he was having an emotional moment, feeling close to his dad. And we used to just be super sensitive to him. And I, I never liked to tell him it just looked really terrible on him. It just didn't suit him at all. It was kind of tight and effeminate and anyway. So whenever he was wearing the sweater, it's like, oh, Paul, how are you doing today? It was one of those, you know. And then a few uh, one months later, his stepmother said, I'm going to come and see you. So she came down and she came into our house. And Paul had said to me, I've got an idea. Do you think she'd like it if I wore the sweater? And we said, that's a really nice idea. So he went upstairs to change into the sweater. She's sitting downstairs. We're drinking tea, because basically all English people do when it's emotionally complex. And then Paul comes in wearing a sweater, and she takes one look at him and says, Paul, what are you doing wearing my sweater? I've been looking for that for months. The idiot had gone to the wrong wardrobe. All this time, he's been feeling all close to his dad, and he's just wearing some random woman sweater. And here's the thing in life, we use all kinds of things to give ourselves a, a sense of false connection to God the Father. But actually, there comes the moment where he speaks and he says, Can we just cut out the middle man and you and me have a conversation? <laughs> Like, like, like you can go to church all your life and still not be a Christian. Yeah, you, you, can, you can come to events like this. You can use all the right language. You can hang around Christians. But at some point, he says, can we just get to know each other? My sheep, meh. Listen to me. I know them. That's very good. Someone did an unbelievably good sheep sound. Do that again. It's like it's like, guys, this is yes, yes, yes this this is a genuine i'm one, I'm worrying there's a real sheep, there could be a real sheep here, couldn't there? If there's a real sheep next to you, just say to it, listen. one more, please. It's <laughs> <That's> unbelievable <laughs> Well, I'm going to find other excuses for sheep noises in this talk, so yes. But we can overdo it, can't we? (laughs) I mean, you can't blame a sheep. That's all a sheep can do. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Can we cut out the middleman? And so the invitation from God to you is this can we get to know each other? And Guys, this is not some random religious thing. This is real. Every single one of us, there will be the split moment before the flat line and you'd better have something to talk to your creator about. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Maybe you are feeling all kinds of stuff as I say stuff like this. Maybe you are thinking, my Prayers feel like some kind of monologue. I don't feel like God speaks back. How am I meant to listen to him? Maybe you're thinking, how do I listen to God without kissing my brains goodbye? Maybe you're thinking, I've been hurt by something that I think God said or didn't say to me. Maybe you're very clear about something that Jesus has said to you, but if you're honest, you're on the run. So I want us to look at another bit of the Bible now. This is one of the greatest stories in all of human history. It's funny, it's profound, it's true. This is the story of the couple of commuters on the walk home from the capital city, Jerusalem, to a place called Emmaus. It's Luke chapter 24, and we're going to read verses 13 to 35. Luke 24, 13. This is kind of long, but it's a good story, so you'll enjoy it. Luke 24:13 to 35 if you've got the Bible on your phone, you may want to look it up, but don't play Candy Crush or you'll go to hell. So Luke 24, Verse. I'm not joking, Luke 24, verse 13, can we just have one more sheep, please? <laughs> you had no idea when you came here this morning. Luke 24, start at verse 13. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. So that's like a two and a half hour walk, okay? They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. That's the death and resurrection rumors of Jesus Christ. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him wonder why that was. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? <laughs> Just imagine Jesus' face here. He's not like being all biblical. What are you discussing together as you walk along? <laughs> it's like there's a twinkle in his eye. He knows they're talking about him. Say, so, hey, what are you discussing? <laughs> They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? (laughs) What things, Jesus says. Like some of you here, you're like, why doesn't Jesus make it clear? Why doesn't he just send an angel or speak in a booming voice and answer my questions, try reading the Bible? I mean, he just plays games. Don't ask me why, it's just his personality. What things, he said. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And that, what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. Third day, hello. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. You ever noticed that when it comes to Jesus, women are the early adopters. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they didn't see Jesus. And Jesus said to them, so I want you to get this big heavy sigh as he says this. How foolish you are. He's not being like, how foolish you are. It's like, oh, guys, you're idiots. That's, what, that's the tone of this. How foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Just raise your hand if you would like to have been part of that particular Bible study. <laughs> Jesus going right through the Bible, explaining how it's all about him. Verse 28, as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further, but they urged him strongly, stay with us for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it. Hello? And he began to give it to them. And then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And he disappeared from their sight. <laughs> like, this is so funny. They finally go, ah, holy cow. Only that's the wrong religion. Like, <laughs> like, ah, it's Jesus. It's kind of a moment. This isn't like, and they recognized him. It's like, oh, my goodness, it's Jesus. And he goes, bye. And he's out of there. What's that about? He could have hung around just for a minute or two. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us whilst he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? I bet they were. And then they got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. I love this story. You're so good at this. Guys, literally, I've got bits of pink tape now. I don't know if you can see that holding my notes on. The service here is just unbelievable. <laughs> so, what a story. Let <laughs> It's just the wrong side that's been taped up. (laughs) There's so many different ways in which Jesus speaks here. Uh, First of all, notice how he speaks subtly to them. It's not all obvious. It's not all, you know, he doesn't turn up and go, Hi, I'm Jesus Christ, risen from the dead. It's kind of a big deal. It's kind of the beginning of the new creation. It kind of proves I'm the son of God. Boo! He doesn't have an Elvis moment. Jesus just turns up incognito. One great writer says, God comes to us disguised as our own lives. Some of you are missing God in your life because he's not being weird. You're like, if it's God, it's got to be weird. It's got to be, hello, a disembodied voice is now speaking to you, you know. Hi, I'm a glowing stranger. Would it help if I float three foot off the... You're like, I can only relate to God if he's weird. Listen, he is the creator of everything. You talk about beautiful and wild. Look around you. Look at these alto cumuli above us, look at the fact that that at night the, the stars will stretch thousands and thousands of them above us, look at the beauty of the surf, look at the stunning wonder of creation, look at the people around you, think about the fact that your own fingerprints are unique. Sir Isaac Newton said, in the absence of all other evidence, the human thumb alone would convince me of the existence of God's. Think about the beauty and the wildness, the wonder and the mystery of creation. We believe in the God who made all of this. And he, by very different definition, defines normality. He defines reality. And therefore, most of the ways he speaks to us are normal. And every day, through thoughts and words and dreams conversations, and through his book, The Bible. And that's the next one we see here. God speaks in Jesus through the Bible. Having refused to have an Elvis moment, he takes him on a a two-and-a-half-hour Bible study. Like, experience alone is not enough. The fact that he's risen from the grave is not enough. He's like, I'm going to show you how all of this is rooted in the Bible. He centers the narrative. He contextualizes his own life, death, and resurrection. He draws authority from the Scriptures. Can I say with all due respect, some of us, we're all about the experiences, but we're slow to hear God in the Bible. And then thirdly, we find in this, as well as God speaking subtly, God speaking through the scriptures, we find that he speaks to their hearts. Their hearts burn within them. Some of you, even as I'm speaking to you now, there's something stirring inside of you and it's not the weather and it's not the guy over there or the lady over there who does a remarkable impression of a sheep. It is the spirit of God. And so there are all these different ways in which Jesus speaks in this story. Let's think a bit about the Bible, because that is the key here. The Bible was described by George Gallup Jr., you know, the guy who does all the polls, as the best-selling, least-read book in America today. He was probably right. We struggle at times with the Bible. We find it boring. We find it confusing. I talked to a guy, his name is Sean, he's a tiler. You know, he puts tiles on walls, <laughs> and probably on patios too, it's diverse. And uh, Sean's got the most amazing story, and this is not like some urban pit myth, this is first hand, okay? Sean um, went asleep one night and had a dream, and in his dream, a man appeared to him, and stretched out his hand and touched him on the shoulder and said to him, I've got you, I've got you. And he said, as the hand touched my shoulder in the dream, I just felt wave upon wave upon wave of love that I had never experienced in my life before. So much so it continued for the rest of the night and it was still happening as I woke up. So he told his wife about this said, what was that all about? And she said, I just wonder if it might be Jesus. Now, Sean didn't read his Bible. He didn't go to church. The only thing he knew for sure was this. He went to sleep the night before with a massive pornographic addiction, and for some strange reason, he had this dream in the night, and it had gone. Not that he didn't still get tempted, but the power of it had gone. And he said to me on the phone, he said, Pete, the strange thing is this. I used to swear like a trooper, and I, I just stopped overnight, and I didn't even know it was wrong. I just thought it was a weird thing that was happening to me. So then he goes off. He's doing a tiling job in someone's bathroom. He's, you know, he's, he, he's retiling the whole thing. And as he's tiling, he said to me, I didn't have the radio on or any of that stuff. He heard an audible voice, and the voice said this to him, Corinthians. Corinthians. Now, he didn't really know what that meant, and so he got a pencil from behind his ear, and he wrote Corinthians on the wall where he was about to tile. And then he heard the same voice speak a number, and the number was seven. So he wrote up seven, and then he heard the voice again, and it was 26. So on the wall, he's written Corinthians seven twenty-six. He takes a photograph of it and then tiles over it. He goes home to his wife and he says, the weirdest, weirdest thing happened at work today. Look at this. And he shows her the photograph and she, looks at, she goes, I'm pretty sure that's in the Bible. I'm, I think that's a Bible thing. So they look it up and they go to 1 Corinthians 7 verse 26. Now I need to give you this background. Sean had started talking to God since he had the dream because he was in the middle of a big dilemma. The dilemma was this, he had arthritis in his knees. And when you're a Tyler, you do a lot of like kneeling down and crouching. It was very painful for him. It was the first lockdown. And so he was gonna have to wait forever to have knee surgery. And his mate had just approached him and said, do you wanna open a shop with me? So he was like, I don't know. Do I do a career change in the middle of a global pandemic? Is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? What do I do? So his wife had said to him, you know, I think you had a dream about Jesus, so I think you need to start talking to him. So he had been saying to Jesus, I've I, I got to make a big decision, I don't know what to do. And then he hears Corinthians 7.26. So his wife says to him, it's in the Bible, he looks it up, and this, these, these words I'm about to read you, I guarantee if you read the whole of the Bible, you could not find words that more specifically would answer the question he had been asking God about his profession. This is what he read. Because of the present crisis, I think that it is good for a man to remain as he is. <laughs> he said, well, that's it. God's told me through the Bible. I'm going to stay tiling and not open the shop. So he knew God had spoken to him. And then a slow process continued as he became a follower of Jesus. So God had spoken to him through a dream, very, very common, through an audible voice and through the scriptures. And one of the questions I suppose we've got to ask is, is, why on earth didn't God just tell him in that audible voice or in that dream, stay tiling? Why did God go to all the trouble of giving him a Bible reference to look up Well, it's the same as Why did Jesus, as he walked on the Emmaus Road, not just say, it's me. Why did he take them on a two and a half hour Bible study? It is because your Bible is God's greatest gift to you. It is the context for all authority and truth from the voice, the mouth of God. The very first um, sat-nav, you know, GPS that Sammy and I got, back before everyone had them on their phones. Anyone remember GPSs When they were big, clunky things you tried to stick to your dashboard. Do you remember that, some of you? Yeah. And, and, and the first one we got, you know, it, 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 it was there was only two voices that would steer you around the country. One was kind of a military-type guy. It was like, turn left here. It was terrifying. Straight on. And the other was a woman who can only be described as sultry. It was like straight on at the roundabout. You know. <laughs> so obviously I chose the woman to steer me around the, the, the country. And Sammy said to me, Pete, I don't trust her. <laughs> I'm like, darling, it's a machine. She's like, I still don't trust her. So, <laughs> so I found out. There was this really amazing facility on this GPS. You could record your own voice onto it. Uh, and there was like 78 different instructions. And, and, and so I had this idea. I said, Sammy, darling, if you're worried about the sultry woman, why don't you be the woman who steers me around the country? There's only 78 instructions you've got to read. Straight on, turn right here, and that kind of stuff. And I said to her, frankly, it could be quite healing for our relationship. Um, for you to consistently get the directions right. So guys, I'm a mere messenger. I can only speak the truth. (laughs) And she said, I've got a better idea. Our, Our two sons were very little at the time. She said, get them to record it. So I had this delightful night sitting on the sofa with you know, like a six-year-old on one side and a four-year-old on the other as they read all these different instructions. And so for years afterwards, we were steered around the country by these two little boys' voices, and, and they kind of went off-piste at times. Like, like wh- th- there's an instruction, you are approaching a ferry, and they moved into, I am sailing, you know, all of that. And, and, and the really lovely one was, there's one that w- was, um, you've reached your destination, and this little voice says, Welcome home, Daddy. It's just stunning, yeah. And, and so it, it was the loveliest thing. And I can't tell you how many nights, you know, I'd pull up outside our house. All the lights are off. Sammy and the boys are asleep. It's dark. I'm tired. And I'd be caught off guard by this little voice. Welcome home, Daddy. You know, it's just sad but true. So uh, we were driving to Edinburgh one day. Now, Edinburgh is a super confusing city to drive in. Uh, and and we were trying to get to the Waverley Station right in the middle, and there's all these one-way systems and stuff, and cobbled streets. And anyway, the little voices were directing me. Consist, and I and, and then this little voice struck up saying, "Turn left here." And as I did so, I just swung into Edinburgh's central railway station. And I looked in the rearview mirror because our son Danny was on the back seat. I said, "Danny, how did you know it was left there? How did you know your way to the station?" And he's kind of, he, he back then he had white, like, electrostatically charged hair. He kind of looked like a weird orangutan, you know, very cute. And, and I'm looking, how did you know where the station was? And this little voice goes, I don't know how I know. I just know. Listen, in that statement, I don't know how I know, but I know, Danny was actually getting right to the heart of one of the greatest philosophical conundrum. It is called epistemology, the science of how you know what you know. If you've ever engaged a conspiracy theorist, in person or online, you have got into an epistemological debate. Because very quickly you realize the issue is not the issue. The issue is not, is the world flat? Is global warming a thing? anti-vax, QAnon, whatever it is, very quickly what you realize is the real issue is whose truth is the true truth. How do you know what you know? And for every Christian who's ever lived, and there's about two billion of us in the world today, something over a quarter of the world's population, the answer to that question of how you know what you know is this. God has revealed his heart, his character, his purpose, his will in his word, the Bible. And there is nothing he will ever say or do that contradicts or comes outside of the teaching of Scripture. That doesn't mean that God doesn't say new things today, but that it will be in line with the Scriptures. And so we find God speaking to Sean the Tyler in an audible voice, pointing him to Corinthians 7.26. We see Jesus contextualizing even his death and resurrection in the scriptures. Like that GPS, as we try to find our way around Edinburgh, the Bible is our source of guidance and wisdom and direction through life's many twists and turns. As the prophet Isaiah says, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. And like that GPS, which certainly seemed formal at the start, as the years go on, God's word in the Bible becomes familiar and even familial. God speaks through the Bible intimately to our hearts more, and it becomes, with every passing year, more precious and more beautiful. Welcome home, Daddy. Daddy. But you may say to me, I find the Bible so confusing and difficult and even boring. Well, there's a key in this story about how we hear God in the Bible, and it's this. Jesus, we're told, explained what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. In other words, he redefined how we're supposed to understand the Bible. He said it's all about me, So what we're supposed to do as Christians when we read the Bible is put Jesus' glasses on. We read the Bible in the light of Jesus Christ. The theologians call this the Christological hermeneutic. And so if you're wrestling, say, with one of those tricky passages in Deuteronomy where God seems to commission genocide, you read it in the light of Jesus who said, Love your enemies. Or if you're wrestling with certain parts of Paul's epistles, Paul's letters where, you know, he's telling women to wear head coverings. You're going, is this not the patriarchy? Is this not sexist? You read it in the light of Jesus, who appeared first to a woman and made her the very first apostle. Mary Magdalene is called the apostle to the apostles, the first carrier of the good news. I'm sorry if that upsets some of you who have certain views on women in leadership. I'm just telling you this is what the Bible says. Our problem with the Bible isn't, isn't what it says. It's that it doesn't always say what we want it to say. And so let's bring this into land where we started. Jesus says, hey, you can be stupid as a sheep. And still understand how to be a follower of mine. You just listen and obey. And you say, well, how do I know how to listen? You learn to love the Bible. And the response amongst the couple on the road to Emmaus is they say, didn't our hearts burn? I wonder if God has brought you here to Creation Fest this year. To reignite your hearts, to make your hearts burn again. It's been a tough couple of years, right? And all of us, we maybe need a little bit of gasoline on the sparks. Or maybe God's brought you here to Creation Fest to reveal some new things to you. The couple on the road to Emmaus thought they knew it all, they knew the scriptures. They had their own spin on what had just happened in Jerusalem with Jesus' death and resurrection, but when he shows up, everything changes. Everything changes. Maybe he's brought you here to reveal some new things. Or maybe God's brought you here to completely redirect your lives. That's what he did for this couple. Maybe he's coming to you in disguise, and you've realized that, I need to be more open to him and listen more carefully to his whisper in ordinary things as well as extraordinary things. I want you to know that every once in a while God kicks the door down like he did for Sean with a dream and an audible voice. But 99% of the time he comes and speaks through an idiot like me or through someone who can do a remarkable impression of a sheep. Thank you. Or through people like your friend who dragged you here. Or through your own thoughts as you stare up at the stars. Or through a random dream that you have in the night that you thought was just the curry from the day before. He speaks to us about extraordinary things in ordinary ways. And so right at the start of Creation Fest, I want to ask you to make some choices. It's really interesting to me that Jesus, at the start of the road to Emmaus, disguises himself. And then at the end, when they reach the house, he pretends he's got somewhere else to go. And they go, oh, no, no, do you want to come in? See, Jesus is raised from the dead. You could say his schedule is wide open. What was he doing? I mean, it begs the question whether Jesus had appeared to other people who didn't invite him in that day and missed out on being in the Bible. The whole thing in their lives, the whole future of their lives hinges on this moment where they say to the guy they haven't even recognized yet, hey, do you want to come in for some food? And it's as they eat with him, they go, it's Jesus. And their whole lives change. What if you've been expecting Jesus to kick down the door and scream in your face, and he's saying to you now, I refuse. No deal. It's not my style. Haven't I made it obvious enough look at the world around you? Haven't I made it obvious enough? Try reading my Bible. Haven't I made it obvious enough? I came as a human being to reveal what God is like. What else do you want me to do? And so the challenge to each one of us at the start of Creation Fest is to do the most beautiful and the most wild thing of all and dare to say to the stranger on the road, come on in. Come on in. Come and eat with me. Come and use my toilet. Come and break my bread. Come and see my house. I haven't really tidied it up, wasn't expecting guests. Some of you are thinking, there's stuff in me that I don't really want anyone to see. There's things that I think that I don't really want anyone else to know about. The couple on the Emmaus Road hadn't tidied their house. They hadn't done the hoovering, but they just said, come on in. Jesus said, isn't going to be shocked. You know, you cannot be too sinful for Jesus, just too proud to invite Him in. There is always more grace in God than there is mess in you. And so for some of you, you're going to be deciding right now, I really need the fire to burn in my heart again and the choice and it is a choice is to say Jesus come and be God in me come and say whatever you want to say and I'll do it come and be however you want to be and I'll worship you come and be Lord in my life and you, you've done this a thousand times but you need to do it today And for others, this is going to be the first time you ever did this. And you're like, don't rush me. Okay, take your time. But some of you know this is the moment. And you're never going to have all the answers, right? I found that as I've gone on in life and in fatherhood and in marriage and in faith, I just get more and more questions. I find I knew everything when I was a teenager. I know almost nothing now. So don't wait to know everything or you'll be arrogant as hell. Ultimately, this is a leap of faith. And so um, let's just take a moment now. I've talked a lot. I just talk to God who hears your thoughts. If you find it helpful, just whisper. But just say to him, I, I want you to reignite my heart. I want to know you. I want to invite you into my life for the first time or for the thousandth time. Just take a moment now to talk to the Lord Jesus Christ. He hears. Sense the Lord speaking to me, whispering to me now about um, someone here that you, 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 your heart has been broken by the misappropriation of God's word. Your heart has been broken by the misappropriation of God's word, and there's something in you that just shut down when that happened. You see Jesus weeping and saying, Listen to me, listen to me. And I see that your fists just gently opening. Some of you, and this isn't anything God said to me particularly, this is just basic stats. Some of you, when I spoke about addictions getting broken. In Sean the Tyler, you're like, yeah, that's me. Jesus can set you free. It can be the beginning of a long road, but even if you do the 12-step program, they'll tell you you need God to help you get free. Some of you have been saying to God, God, I need a word from you, but you've realized in this talk I've been expecting something unbelievably dramatic. And he's just inviting you to be far more chilled out about it. Say, hey, you're God, I'm not, however you want to speak to me. And then some of you, you've never sealed the deal. You've never become a follower of Jesus. You've never become a Christian. I kind of don't want to be too heavy on you because, you know, it's a sunny morning and it's the start of Creation Fest, but I've also learned that Moments like this aren't that common in life. And the choices you make set the trajectory for the future, and you don't want to let them all slip by. And so I just want to finish by giving an opportunity to anyone here who's saying, there's a very clear choice I need to make today. It might be the fist that needs to unclench. It might be the inviting Jesus into your life and saying, I'm going to follow you even though I don't understand everything. It might be needing some things broken, some freedom in your life. But if you'd like to do so, I'm gonna invite you in just a second to stand where you are. And I tell you why I'm doing this. Firstly, your brain needs you to do this. Because otherwise what will happen is you will go and get on with the day and within 24 hours you'll go, oh, I don't know what that was all about. But if you stand in a moment, you will say, no, I know that something really happened that day. I made a choice at that moment. So this is partly for you. The second reason I'm going to do it is I find that following Jesus is tough, but this is a crowd of people who will be on your side. And so it's good to practice standing up for him here before you have to do it somewhere else. And the third thing is, at the end, after you've done this, there's all these guys who are wearing green cardigan things. I, I assume they've been handed them. I assume it's not just some massively random fluke that they all... It's not a cult. Like, genuinely, these are good people. Their breath is fresh as a daisy. They know how to pray. They're the most important people on site. And in a moment, I'm going to encourage those of you who need to get someone to pray with you just to go to them if you're with someone who's going to be like hey let's go off and do this like just just say to them give me a minute and just come down here in a moment but if you today are like yeah there's a choice I want to put a marker in I want to remember this moment I want to kind of take a stand around one of these things that I've just raised then why don't you Just stand where you are right now. It's between you and God. I'm not going to ask you why you're standing, but just stand now and put that marker in. It could be about getting freedom. It could be about making a choice for Jesus. It could be about the, the, the clenched fist that is beginning to open. It's beautiful. Well done. Thank you. This is your moment of saying to the stranger on the road, come on in. You know what it means. You just talk to him now about why you're standing so cool guys imagine how this feels for the father the world that denies his existence or rejects him most of the time when people like you respond to him you imagine how it moves his heart it's beautiful thank you now this is really important just make sure that you have logged with God why you're standing tell him tell him So, Spirit of the living God, move across this site. Do extraordinary things in this time together, I pray. Speak to each of those who are standing now. Bring your kingdom to bear on their lives. Bring them into the joy and the freedom, the beauty of knowing you and listening to you and following you, I pray. Amen. Wonderful. Let's just stand and give thanks to God together, shall we? Let's give thanks to God. Those of you who stood... Do make your way down. Get some prayer from the guys in the Green tabars. Thank you.